This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. You from God, our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We learn something new every morning, don't we? I've learned that my children are the only children who've ever fought over crayons in this church. I didn't know that. But I did learn it. Uh, and we continue to learn things. Uh, and as adults, boy, it's not crayons and it's not uh, pens, but we'll do the same thing, uh, that we just don't have the patience at times to realize God's going to sort it out. Uh, that's Obadiah. Obadiah is a book filled with people who are impatient and don't realize God's watching uh, the big picture. How many people have siblings in the room? Just so I can kind of get a... Okay, yeah, many of you. Uh, any of you, of you, those of you with your hands up, younger siblings? Who are my younger sibling people? All right. So my younger sibling people, and I don't know the age spread, and you don't have to shout it out, and it's not worth sharing, but uh, I grew up as the younger sibling. So when I went to high school, uh, we crossed into high school and went from a few hundred people in middle school. Actually, we were probably closer to, closer to 1,000, actually. Uh, but when we got to high school, it was a school of about 2,400 people. Uh, when I walked into high school, I realized that I was a known commodity. Uh, but my name was not Mike. It was not Michael. It was Little Merker. Like, wow. Being a freshman is great when every upperclassman looks at you and says, hey, Little Merker, really made me feel awesome. Well, this is the, the joy or the sorrow, as you see it, of having an older brother where I was just, I was just a little guy uh, who was coming in. And boy, siblings offer so much to us for the good, and then they offer us other stuff as well. So in the case of Jacob and Esau, we're going to find out that there's a whole lot going on there. So if you've got your Bible, open it up to Obadiah. Now, before we get into the book of Obadiah, and turn there. I'm, I'm not going to make you turn back somewhere else right now. So I want you headed to Obadiah. You've got to understand two things out of the gate. You've got to understand Genesis 25, and you've got to understand Genesis 27. If you don't, then this book is silly, 21 verses, and you're just going to gloss over it. Uh, and, and you won't understand what's going on. So in Genesis 25, uh, we have the account of Esau coming back from being in the field. Comes back from being in the field, uh, and his brother, who I would suggest to you is very opportunistic, uh, sees him, and he says, boy, I'm really, really starving, and I think I'm about to die. And his brother goes, great, I have lentil stew. He goes, great, thanks, I'll take some. He goes, wait sell me your birthright for the stew, and it's yours. And Esau makes one of the most short-sighted decisions of his entire life, and he says, I think I'm so close to death, I'll take you up on your offer. And he exchanges, exchanges lentil stew for birthright. And Jacob probably pranced off all the way back to wherever he was headed happily, realizing that this happened. Now, that's just Genesis 25. Genesis 27 is when mom gets involved, and moms make everything better, right, guys? Yeah, see, moms in the room knew not to say something there, didn't you? Now, you had been forewarned, cautious, pastoral trap. Because in Genesis 27, uh, Rebecca decided that she was going to help, help her favorite, and she was going to deceitfully go to her husband whose vision was weak uh, and who couldn't quite gather what's going on and dresses up, he dresses up Jacob as Esau. I mean, kills animals, preps the food, makes it all right. Uh, and willingly lies for her son to deceive her spouse so that the child she, as the scripture records it, says she loved more 
So I guess the t-shirt would have fit. Mom loves me best. Would have at least, at least one of the kids could have worn it and said, well, it's a known thing. Rebecca does love me more. And in that moment, the blessing as well is passed to Jacob, not to Esau. And the end of 27 is Esau coming running into his father and goes, don't you have another blessing? And dad says, I had one. You got no birthright and the blessing went as well. Uh, and now you will end up serving your brother. Siblings. We have to love them, right? The answer is yes. Some of you. Some of you are really hesitant there. You must love your siblings. How you love them, what that love is founded on, could be founded on things they've done for you, or you're just going, I love you because you're a child of God. We'll take it. We'll take it. I get that love is sometimes a little bit harder uh, for different people. But remember, even Edomite itself, Edom means red, which draws to mind the red color in the lentil stew. So anytime you heard an Edomite, they would have known that. So here we go. Our text started in Obadiah 15, the one we read this morning. But that's the tail end. The first 14 verses are all punishment spoken to Edom. But in 15, we hear the change. And this is why I wanted you to hear this text this morning, because this is the text for you. Because you're sitting there going, I'm not an Edomite. I was looking at my last name, and it doesn't say, like, Bobby Edomite. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say Sally Edomite. You know, you got your last name. But here the text turns, and Obadiah is speaking not just to Edom, but to all. He says, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. Who counts themselves among that group? Awkwardly, half of you do not consider yourself part of all the nations. But, you know, you'll want to be a part of us by the end of this sermon. So, the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your head. Now, some of you are like, this is why I knew not to raise my hand. I was worried about this. I had read the end of verse 15. Because it sounds pretty rough, as you've done will be given to you, which echoes Jesus. Well, most people who aren't Bible people would just call it what? What do we call that? The gold rule, do unto others as you others do unto you. But this is kind of like God version, right? <laughs> this is the God golden rule. Hey, I've been watching, and what you've been doing, it's going to come back on you. See, the day of the Lord is only scary if you're not in a good place with the Lord. For those who are with Christ and at peace, the day of the Lord is what? <laughs> it's victory. It's excitement. See, our own nation has, has won some wars and we've lost some wars. But on the days we won wars, we were pretty excited about it. VE Day mattered. VJ Day mattered. This is why that, that iconic picture where our nation just re, you know, celebrated again recently, where I think it was the... Who was it that passed away? Was it the male or the female? One of them just passed away. Uh, that picture in, in New York, I forget which, if it was the male or female, I'm sorry to have dropped, but where they're just, he swoops her up in his arm and just goes down and kisses her. Like today we'd call this like parable. You know what it was called then? Appropriate celebration. A war was over. I mean, just captivated by this. The day of the Lord. So we've got the day of the Lord for all nations. There's this picture that God's unfolding. Now, verse 16, though, gives a pretty bleak picture for Edom. So all the nations are going to do well, but 16 speaks back to Edom. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. It's kind of an interesting picture. Uh, it's a picture of challenge, that punishment and destruction are coming to Edom even on the day of the Lord. 
Because they have what? They are not at peace with God. They are not in the place that they need to be. Because Edom was so busy rejoicing uh, that they forgot that God was actually watching what they were up to. So what about us? Where are the times where we celebrate too much and we don't realize what God's doing? Truth is, when you make the world all about yourself, it can become a very lonely place. And not a lot of people realize that when they're celebrating. How many of you celebrated New Year's as a kid? Like, I mean, you really celebrated it up. And then at some point, and maybe you still love it, but at some point you discovered about New Year's that you could do what? Yeah, a couple of you said it. You could sleep, and then the next morning you'd wake up refreshed, and it would be what? Anyone know this? Yeah, it'd be New Year. So you're kind of like, wow, turns out it's still here. See, when you make the world all about, I've got to celebrate and get there, sometimes the world's going to move on just fine by itself. See, when you permit God to be the center of everything, more comes into focus. Sometimes we get so worried about celebrating New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, we forget to get ready for the new year. I had a great party. It was a blowout. But I was late to work and lost my job. Well, hope it was a good party because it's going to be the last for a while. See, Edom got so wrapped up in what they thought was their party, they missed out on what God was doing in his call to them. So I want you to move with me from the text there in Obadiah. We're going to go to our second lesson. Because to understand Obadiah and the challenge of the Edomites, we're going to go in and see what's happening in our reading from Colossians. Because Paul writes to the church in Colossians, and he writes and talks about God's presence. Because this is what Edom had forgotten. They forgot that God was actually dwelling in the world. They thought it was all about them. They were in these cliffs. They were up away from the challenge. So as they watched the destruction of Jerusalem, they laughed. And they said, we're safe. No one can get us. That's normally when you get, like, grabbed, right? You guys ever remember this? Like, if you ever played, uh, like, soccer, baseball, football, any sport, anytime you say no one can get me is normally when the person, like, broadsides you and they're like, ha-ha, I'm here. When you say, I'm at tag and you'll never be tagged, and then the next moment, what happens? You're it. How did they find it? How did that happen? So we go into Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, and we're going that we can see what Edom forgot, that God's presence is real. He is the image of the invisible God. Speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. See, this infant who is born is not just born. He's the firstborn. He's been there. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. See, the whole world was always God's, but Edom missed that. Edom figured it was about we had built the better city. We have built the better place. We're better than Judah. We're better than Israel. We're better than all the people around us. And pride just kept welling up inside of them. But Paul writes to the church in Colossians and says, don't make the mistake of thinking that your God is small. The God we worship in this house is larger than most people have ever imagined. He's the first of creation. He set the earth on its axis. He called creation into its being. He spoke and it came to reality. That's a very different picture than just a kind of deity or something that we might just speak to. No, no, no. We don't just speak to some deity. We speak to the God 
of all creation. Paul continues, verse 19 through 20, and he says it in this way, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things. He's reconciling himself to who? Let's start with a couple things. To Jacob. To who else? Esau. To all of Judah. To all of Eden. To all nations. The only people who are short-sighted about God's plan are who? Us. Too often, we are the ones that make God's plan short-sighted. God never spoke about a plan that didn't include all people. God talked about working through one people group that they might be a blessing to all nations. This is why we're reading the entire Old Testament. What was Genesis 12, 1 to 3? Abram's told, you'll be the father of many nations and you will be a blessing and you will bless who? All nations will be blessed through you. But Edom figured, no, 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 no. All nations just means who? All nations just means our pretty little faces would have been the mantra there of Edom. But Edom got it wrong. They missed out on God doing this bigger thing. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God taking the form of Jesus was no accident. He was pleased to dwell in human form. At times you might say, boy, God had to humiliate himself and become a human. He was pleased to do it. You catch that? God willingly went for you. It wasn't an accident like, oh, I got to do it this way. Golly, it's time to go to earth. I got to do that suffering thing. He goes, I was willing to do it. He was pleased to go do that for us so that even Edom and others who didn't get it. You probably already get this. There's a little bit of Edom in who? Yeah, there's a little Edom in me who says, yeah, I mean, sure, other people do things wrong. They just do them worse than me. I mean, I just do small things. I do small things wrong. And he did it, why? To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The blood thing, I think, is always odd. And the reason I say that is, blood's not clean. Like, my kids do not like blood. Like, they see any blood. Anyone know what they want? You should know this. All kids want it. Yeah, and how many? Yeah, more than we always have in the house. Whatever the injury is, it always exceeds our Band-Aid quotient for, like, the month. Like, we can burn through Band-Aids like it's... Um, I have a, I have something. What is it? It's a bruise. It's a bump. I mean, whatever it is, they're just very, and Band-Aids always fix it. Because they're looking at blood and say that's a problem, but God realized something. He didn't want to do a Band-Aid fix for you. God had to do a deep fix, and the deep fix meant that he died on a cross for you. And in dying, his blood is shed, and his blood is actually the payment that should have been ours. We should have been the ones who died, but we don't. We don't because he actually does that in our place, in our stead. So instead of God giving you a Band-Aid, God actually gives you a whole new set of clothes. God completely reclothes you. Now, have you ever had such a big cut that you actually need to change your clothes? Yeah, hopefully, I mean, not many of them, but sometimes you get the really big one where you're going, ooh, shirt change or pants change or whatever it may be or I, I skinned my knee and tore through my pants and now I'm going to have to make that change. God says, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to cover you entirely in my righteousness. I will robe you, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. You've been baptized. I'm clothing you. I'm giving you a whole new thing. You wanted a Band-Aid? I'm giving you a wardrobe. This is God's love to you. He doesn't do small fixes. He does entire fixes. Edom just didn't see it because Edom figured, I don't need your Band-Aid, Lord, because I've got my cliff. 
I don't need your blood, Lord, because I've got my safety. Edom had become very caught up in what they were doing. So what about you? Did you ever forget to realize that God's speaking to you? Has it ever happened where you, you get so wrapped up in what's going on that you think you've got it all lined out? Now, maybe that hasn't been you, but there's a, a young woman who has this problem in our gospel text. It's the story of who? Mary and Martha. It's a really interesting text because it depends on what side you are because most of us kind of by nature are kind of Mary or Martha people. So you will identify with them based on your personality. Uh, and the neat part about personalities is when we identify with someone, we want that person to be what? Yeah, right. Yeah, excellent. That's right. We want the person we identify with to be the one who's, who's going to carry the day. So into the text we go. Now, if you turn back to that gospel text uh, in Luke 10, we're going to find something very interesting. We find someone who's getting it all set up. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at her Lord's feet. So Martha has Jesus coming in, and what's Martha doing? Everything. Busy. She's doing it all. So great. Lord's here. We've got to get it set. Time to wipe down the toilet, wipe off the sink, clean the floor, vacuum, dust, get it all set, get the food, you know, get the cheese and cracker tray. Lord's going to need some of that. Get some extra drinks, have it all set, ready to go, because God's going to want to make sure that the way we've got the house prepped, that's really important. The unique thing here is God didn't really care about that house. God cared about what? The house neither Mary or Martha were probably as focused on on the front, the temple of the Holy Spirit, because there were two temples in that room. Mary and Martha both had a temple. This is New Testament language. God says, you will now have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But Mary sits down and goes, maybe there's more to this teacher than just feeding him and taking care of him. But the Lord answered her, because <laughs> Martha's a little upset. And there's no better person to mock someone or correct them than who? Oh, come on. Jesus. Let's weaponize Jesus. Because the world needs more weapons, right? So they're weaponizing Jesus. Ha-ha! See, my sister's wrong. Lord, tell her. Use your Lord powers against her. But the Lord answers her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary's chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And on that moment, Martha could not have felt smaller. Now, some of you are like, yeah, but she was just being hospitable. I know that. Here's the difference. She was being hospitable to the Lord of lords and King of kings who was present, who was willing to teach her at that moment. See, it's coming to church and realizing, well, I've got to make sure that everything's set perfectly uh, so we're there. And, and I'm sorry, I had to leave the service. I couldn't be there because I had to make sure that all the Bibles were perfectly aligned because if someone visits and our Bibles aren't perfectly aligned, they won't come back. Brothers and sisters, if they do not return because our Bibles are not in line, there is some deeper problem that the Holy Spirit's going to have to sort out that you and I cannot fix. But we will be here every Sunday until the Lord might see fit to draw them back. And we're never going to stop preaching and teaching what the Lord's given us. But I'm sharing with you, God's main goal for us gathering our worship is what? That God would speak to us through his word, and he'd do the very work that he had to do in Martha. She was so caught up in being hospitable, she actually forgot to listen to God. 
You ever had that happen? You're so busy doing something, you actually forgot the very person you were getting ready for. I've had that. I've had family come visit, and I'm so worried to get it all clean that I sit there, and before I know it, they do what? They leave. And it's not because they left early. It literally is. They were there for hours. But you were so ready getting things prepped. Sometimes actually going to someone else's party is better than hosting your own. Why? You actually get to talk to people. You actually get to interact with them. When you're the host, you forget to actually do the one thing the party was supposed to be about. I'm going to have a big party so I can talk to all my friends. And you have the party and you do what? You talk to no one, but you did take lots of trash in and out. You did sort lots of things. Uh, and I'm sure everyone was like, wow, that was the best party because their house was so clean. Like the best parties I've been to didn't involve clean houses. They involved what? Laughter and excitement and smiles. And you know what? The house could have been clean. I don't recall. But the best memories I have of parties were ones where I was laughing and talking and interacting. And the Lord was sitting down and inviting Mary and Martha to be there. Uh, and God asks the same of us as well. God invites us to this very meal. And this is what he does for us today. The psalmist records it in this way. And may these words resonate with you. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because on this day, the Lord comes to us in his true body and true blood. And he says, take and eat. Come and know that I'm here. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Our youth just came back from Minnesota. 21,000 youth. And here's what they learned. They learned this. That God is present in life. He's here. And that life's filled with a whole bunch of disgusting terrible, challenging, wicked things. One of the heavier things that they faced this past week is uh, one of the shootings that's happened, and unfortunately too many have happened. But they met one of the teachers, middle school teacher, uh, who happened to be present at one of the shootings. And he talked all about his sports injuries and others, and everyone's like catching on, like, oh, sports injuries and blowing out ACLs and other things and all these recoveries, and he'd had more surgeries than I'd ever known. And then he tells the story of that fateful day when his middle school student walks into his classroom and then he walks in, he's shot three times as a teacher. Three times. And he goes, just by instinct, he goes, I ran right at him and I tackled him. No one dies that day. No one. And he goes, God's good. Because the trouble was real, but the refuge is real too. This is what the psalmist wants us to hear. See, our youth had to realize, yeah, stuff's tough. But God is tougher than the tough stuff you've seen. And he's here. He actually meets you with his body and blood. People wonder, where's God? Well, on that day, he was in a middle school teacher. <laughs> he was in a middle school teacher, for whatever reason, with three bullets in him. And he told the youth that day, guess how many are still in him? Two. They couldn't get two of them out. He's still walking with the bullets. He goes, they'll just kind of be with me. But he reminded them, God's got you. So on this day, may you hear what the psalmist says, taste and see the Lord's good. The trouble is real. The refuge is real. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. May you be filled by a God who made and filled the heavens with stars, who filled the seas teeming with life, and who even filled this room. Every one of you. Every one of you made in God's image, and God's here to remind you, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.